0: farm, P-H-A-R-M, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman, myfuturefarm.com slash Hoffman. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. Under the overall mission statement of intelligent medicine is to talk about everything related to your health. And yes, uh, for many of us, uh, drugs are part of that story. Yeah, we're all about natural health and diet and supplements but uh, the medications that we sometimes have to resort to uh, are important to our health. Today we're going to talk to a guest who's written a really very eye-opening book Entitled China RX, Exposing the Risks of America's Dependence on China for Medicine. Now, this is a really a, a hot button issue these days because we're in the process of reevaluating our relationship with China, to say the least, uh, especially in view of uh, our discovery that uh, we were very, very dependent on China during the pandemic. Well, when it comes to medication, that certainly is the case. Rosemary Gibson, Writes and lectures about healthcare, healthcare reform, Medicare, and patient safety. She's a graduate of Georgetown University and has a master's degree from the London School of Economics. Uh, She is an editor for JAMA, Internal Medicine Journal Journal of the American Medical Association, and uh, she has uh, a series of books on relevant subjects in the field of health. Uh, She wrote a book uh, a while ago called Wall of Silence, which is about medical errors and how they might affect us. She also wrote a book, and we want to touch upon that uh, during today's podcast, The Treatment Trap. It's about overutilization of uh, testing and overtreatment. Yeah, those are important subjects, but today we're going to focus on uh, our increasing dependency on China for medicine. Rosemary, it's a pleasure having you on Intelligent Medicine. Thanks very much for joining us.
1: Ron, thank you uh, for the opportunity to be here today.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be uh, interesting. Uh, so, uh, first of all, uh, what impelled you to take up this subject?
1: Well, I-, I was just looking, Ron, to write another book, and I am not an expert in China or our pharmaceuticals, and I came just jumped across this issue, and I kept digging and digging, and it was. Stunning what I was finding and I kept asking myself how come nobody knows about this and So I just so this has to come out. The public has a right to know It's not only a public health issue, but national security issue and for all of us if we happen to need a, a medicine we want it to be made properly so it's safe And it's not just medicines, it's our supplements, our vitamins, so much.
0: Indeed, I Um, I mentioned medications, but yeah, we can also touch upon the issue of, you know, where do the raw ingredients from our supplements come from? And by and large, uh, they come from Asia.
1: That's right. We can't even make vitamin C anymore in this country. We can't make aspirin anymore. We can't make antibiotics. And China Rx documents how China came in and dumped product on the global market at a really low price, subsidized by their government, and drove out all the U.S. producers. And so we can't make the things that we need to survive as a country. We just came through this uh, COVID-19 and uh, the medicines for people hospitalized with COVID. The base, these are the basic generic drugs I'm talking about, Ron. 90% of the starting materials to make them are sourced from China. Hmm, 90%, so very, and the whole wow. world, the, the whole world was dependent on a single country. It's basically sole sourcing, which is terrible for pu- global public health, let alone the health of uh, people here in our country.
0: And how did how did we get there? Because it would seem like uh, it, there would be an incentive to do domestic production of medication from uh, an economic standpoint to employ people from a national security standpoint, for sure. Uh, how do we go down that fateful route to dependency on China for virtually all our raw materials?
1: It's, uh, it's primarily about money. And uh, companies want to buy cheap. They make more money when they buy cheaply. And China was willing to subsidize at billions and billions of dollars to grow its own industry. Um, it also engaged in illegal trade practices that are, um, if American companies did it, uh, they'd be at risk for, for uh, sanctions. antitrust. Yeah. Oh, yes. A- and currency manipulation, it's a, and it's a deliberate strategy using all sorts of legal and illegal means to disrupt, dominate, and eventually displace not just U.S., but also Western Uh, companies, manufacturers, and even Indian companies. Can you imagine a country like, this was another jaw dropper Mm -hmm. while researching China Rx. Even India depends on China for basic things like penicillin material. Hmm. And uh, and in fact, 70% of the materials it needs for its giant generic industry are sourced from China.
0: Wow. I mean, I thought that uh, India had a robust uh, kind of a copycat uh, industry where they make cheaper knockoffs of uh, drugs developed in Europe and America.
1: You're right. They, they do. But what does the material come to make it? And it's the basic chemicals and raw materials that are sourced in China. You know, India can't make basic antibiotics. It's, it was absolutely shocking.
0: Well, you know, some people might say, well, you know, that's globalism, that's capitalism. You know, uh, it's uh, the eternal drive to uh, optimize uh, profits, reduce costs. And so it's really not such a biggie. You know, we're one big uh, interdependent global community. Uh, But are there issues with quality associated with this dependency on China?
1: Well, there's uh, two issues. One is quality. And it's shocking how... We have allowed our, and I'm talking about again, generic medicines here, which are 90% of what's prescribed here in community pharmacies, retail, and in hospitals. As a, very, as a physician at a very prominent institution, Ron said to me, we are becoming like a developing country with our medicine. Hmm. Uh, there was just an article published in the Journal of Heart and Lung Transplantation where a common uh, generic that is used in patients who've had heart transplants, that they take it to suppress their immune system to prevent rejection of the new heart. Well, physicians at this very prominent hospital here in the United States noticed that some patients were not doing well. Some were dying. And astute physicians said, well, let's have the drug tested. Hmm. And these were medicines not supplied by the hospital but when patients left the hospital to go home they went to their community pharmacy their retail pharmacy and got a different generic Mm -hmm. and so they tested a a couple of these and uh done a test done at harvard and it was found that a couple of the products did not dissolve properly in the body and so if it doesn't dissolve properly it means that you're not getting a uniform amount of that medicine in this case, to protect to protect you and suppress the immune system to prevent organ rejection, it, it's it's stunning. Well, and pl- of course, there was the blood pressure medicines recall with valsartan. Yes, and there were many companies who had their products, you know, recalled. But the worst offender was a company in China that was supplying twenty three countries, and its valsartan had more than 200 times the acceptable limit per pill of this genotoxic impurity.
0: Mm -hmm. Potentially carcinogenic, right? Uh,
1: Absolutely. So, um, and just this is a a very, on a practical note, a lot of people take other blood pressure medicines, lisinopril, and the same cardiologist shared with me about a patient who uh, went into a retail pharmacy, got their lisinopril generic. And suddenly, her blood pressure spiked to one ninety, which is death zone. Mm-hmm. And uh, their actions taken, and she uh, got a different generic, and her blood pressure normalized. So they're going to have that product tested. So we are seeing this happening right before our eyes, Ron, and it's it's getting worse and worse, and it's very very concerning.
0: Is, is obtaining uh, a brand name you know, the original name, you know, so an example would be uh, uh, Viagra, brand name Viagra. It's actually the generic is Sildenafil. Uh, would obtaining a brand name provide you with uh, a complete bulwark against this, this problem? Or is it uh, just to increase the likelihood that you'll get a pure and safe medication?
1: Uh, a brand name product, at least there's somebody's name on it a name that people will recognize and they typically are uh, manufactured with a higher standard of quality. Mm -hmm. So yes, there is a greater chance that they would be uh, a better product to take.
0: But not, not a hundred percent guarantee, but you increase the likelihood, but of course they're much more expensive. And typically when, uh, you know, I as a physician order a a brand name medication, uh, the um, uh, pharmacy fulfillment, uh, intermediary will come back and say doctor you prescribed uh this brand name is it you know can you can we safely substitute a generic and unless i really put my foot down they're pretty adamant that they we use the cheaper generic that could you know be cheaper by you know an order of magnitude of, of 10 or 20 uh, in some cases
1: oh well, absolutely it, and it's the real conundrum and i know uh, there was a cardiology nurse uh retired who went into a pharmacy for sh- uh, to get a prescription for shingles and she got a generic and it was not working it was going into her eye and so she demanded the branded product and she had to uh it was like pulling teeth yeah to get them uh, to give her even just a handful of pills let alone a full prescription so there's um a lot of manipulation going on behind the scenes which is regrettable uh but uh, there is a The alternative of the branded product uh, where one can be more assured of having a safe and effective medicine that Mm -hmm. uh, is
0: made properly. And and from what I understand, you know, sometimes the difference between a branded product and a generic is not the content of the, the medication. It may be identical, you know, 90 milligrams of whatever and 90 milligrams is in the brand and 90 milligrams is in the generic but it's the delivery system it's the matrix it's how it uh is released into the system uh and that can vary widely among generic products right
1: yeah that's that's right there and there's there's something called excipients these are the fillers yeah Mm -hmm. and the generics can have different generic medicines can have different excipients i had a case of a a PhD epidemiologist who reached out, her husband was on a generic and he was having some troublesome symptoms. It turns out he had been switched and she wanted to know the name of what was in it. So I sent her to a website called Pillbox and that has had listed all the different ingre- inactive ingredients in generic drugs. And she spotted something on that list. She had her husband switch to a different generic and he was fine.
0: Hmm.
1: The problem is, Ron, earlier this year, Hard to know why, but that pillbox website was taken down by the
0: government. Hmm. Well, it was it was thought to be uh, misinformation. <laughs> no,
1: this, this is accurate. This is this is supposed to be accurate information mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. the public. Yeah. Um. So it's it's really uh, troubling for people to figure out what to do. It, it, it may but have been,
0: I, you know, that that may it in some ways this conflicts with the. Uh, price control imperative of Medicare, which spends an inordinate amount of money on medications for, for, you know, the populace and, you know, for uh, a website to blow the whistle on some of the things that they advocate, you know, when they step down from a brand name to a cheaper generic, I don't know, it may have put the onus on uh, Medicare to pay up for more expensive drugs. I mean, you know, if if you want a little bit of a conspiracy line, there you have it. Well, well,
1: what we are seeing on a positive note is uh, a, a group of hospitals have come together to form a nonprofit called Pacifica RX. And the hospitals, Ron, are using their procurement dollars to buy, to basically create a new supply chain mm. and contract with trustworthy manufacturers to produce quality products. Uh, and it's working uh, within The first year of up, we've got the Mayo Clinic and 1,400 other hospitals. Kaiser Permanente joined with their 10 million members. So this is is a big deal. Hmm. And they actually inspect the facilities before they buy product. They give manufacturers long-term contracts so they can invest in quality systems. So in the first year, they started in 2018-19, and the first year they delivered 20. Essential generic drugs that hospitals were often short of. The next year, another twenty. And the uh, third year, they'll have about sixty. And a lot of these are medicines used to treat people hospitalized with uh, COVID nineteen.
0: Right. And these facilities did not crisis. Yeah.
1: Yeah, these folks did not have shortages of those drugs. Wow. And they actually paid less because they weren't paying this you know shortage price.
0: You you mention inspections, and from what I've heard, you know it's really hard to inspect all the manufacturing facilities in China. And they kind of play a shell game uh, when they hear they they're pre notified that an inspector is going to show up. That's not a good way to do an inspection. And then they kind of create a Potemkin village kind of uh, uh, operation that that's clean, sanitary, and meets all the standards when actually. Uh, they're outsourcing to all kinds of uh, rickety, uh, uh, you know, manufacturing facilities uh, with slop buckets and uh, you know, all kinds of disarray. Uh, but the inspectors never go into those, uh, you know, the main facilities. They just see the show facilities.
1: Well, the inspections in China are a a serious problem. Uh, first of all, as you say. Uh, inspections in other countries are have to be announced in advance because FDA employees who do these inspections they're very talented qualified people have to get a visa to enter the countries and that can take you know some period of time and then once they go there Ron I hear from pharmaceutical engineers who work uh, in this country and around the world that the inspections in a plant in China will be a lot shorter than the inspections here in the U.S. so here If you and I have a plant making these specialized called sterile injectable drugs for uh, hospitals, the FDA may be in our plant for three weeks, whereas that similar inspection would be in in China for just three days. And, of course, you have the language barrier, so you can't get as much done during the course of those three days.
0: And and records can be (laughs) falsified. You know, you you always have to show voluminous records when the FDA shows up. But, uh, you know, that's also subject to uh, some manipulation.
1: And you know what's really concerning, Ron, is uh, the FDA reported when it went into that Chinese plant making the blood pressure medicine ingredient for Valsartan. Right. They found that the employees there knew that their product did not meet FDA standards for manufacturing, but they sold it anyway.
0: Right. So there's not only a a lack of... uh legal constraints, but there's sort of lack of, uh, you know, ethical constraints when it comes to. Uh, yeah,
1: exactly. Right. Yeah. It's a perfect crime. There's a chapter in China Act RX called the perfect crime. So say you get a bad drug, poorly made medicine. What's your recourse? You're, you're made in China soon, uh, made in China soon in America. Good luck with that.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's one thing. I mean, like if, if, uh, a plant in, uh, You know, Atlanta, Georgia makes your Pfizer medication, uh, or in Puerto Rico, which is still under American jurisdiction, um, there's a legal system that covers that, and there's liability.
1: That's right. Whereas here, uh, there's no recourse, and they know it. But, you know, there's another uh, group here that needs to share the blame here. You know, these products only get into this country because somebody's buying them. So who's buying these substandard generic drugs and selling them to the American people. And these are what they call middlemen.
0: The, the pharmacy benefit managers, the so-called, right?
1: That's part of them for outpatient, but then there's the group purchasing organizations, the distributors, the wholesalers. And they scour the earth with algorithms looking for the cheapest yeah. drug. If, it's, if it, it's it saves a penny, they'll yeah. buy it. Yeah, it's, Exactly. And that, uh, so I put the onus on us. I say it's like Costco. You know, if Costco was scouring the earth to get the cheapest tires and even even ones that say they received an, a warning letter from the federal government and they sold them. I mean, Costco would be stopped in its tracks by the consumer backlash. We don't have a similar transparency here with our medicines. So it, what's happening now, it's gotten so unfortunate that these big buyers, these are multi-billion dollar companies, many of them, some are in the Fortune 10 and 20 list they hammer down on price paid to manufacturers, and they're even buying products that have received FDA warning letters.
0: Hmm. There was also and warning
1: uh, letters a big deal.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, there was also a brouhaha recently over uh, over-the-counter Zantac. Uh, is that was that sourced from China?
1: Well, that that was an issue, Ron. That and the generic version. That was a problem of when it was consumed in the body, it caused the production of carcinogens. Yikes. It's a little slightly different from how the product was manufactured. Uh, here's a quick backstory about yep. how that uh, product in China got uh, so uh, contaminated with uh, carcinogens. They're, the company was looking to make a cheaper drug, the company in China. So they asked a bunch of chemistry students at a nearby university, hmm. to come up with a cheaper process, and they did. But nobody con- and it gave off carcinogens, but no one was considering that this is a product that would be consumed by humans. Hmm. It was just good chemistry. Yeah. So by um, by, by so relatively this,
0: novice uh, chemists who uh, weren't uh, didn't have an eye to uh, consumers. That's right. There's also exactly- a controversy over uh, heparin, uh, and I remember uh, you know very graphic pictures of of kind of a, a slop bucket literally a a slop bucket assembly line in uh, a rural Chinese factory where they were taking, uh, I think it's animal uh, lung tissue, uh, and they were, that's how they derive uh, the raw materials for heparin. And uh, then the heparin turned out to be uh, ineffective or toxic. Uh, That was years and years ago already. So that should have given us a heads up that there are problems.
1: Oh, that's right, Ron. This is not new. It's been going on for a long time and there are hundreds of Americans who died from contaminated heparin. What they what was happening there is there was a shortage of pigs and that's because there was an outbreak of disease in China. And China is the biggest pork producer. So, there wasn't enough products, so they came up with a fake substitute. That that and this was a really sophisticated operation. Hmm. And it turned out to be in high doses lethal.
0: It was like a like counterfeit that, to heparin, in a way. Right? That's,
1: exactly, that's exactly right. right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was uh, a disastrous for this country. And it's an example of we don't really know how many people really died. And, and, to get a, and China Rx opens up with a story of a Johns Hopkins-trained physician who walks into the Mayo Clinic in Scottsdale, Arizona, for the emergency room because he had, like, a stomach ulcer. He self-diagnosed correctly. They kept him in overnight, scoped him. He had gotten a couple doses of heparin. And in less than 24 hours, he was in multiple organ failure.
0: Hmm. Because His, because of the toxin. Because of yeah. This,
1: yeah Because of this toxic uh, contaminant that was put into the product. Hmm.
0: That's wild. All right. Well, you know, clearly we've delineated a problem. Uh, we're going to pause now because we uh, are going to, Go to part two. And in part two, you know, we'll talk about some uh, potential solutions. Uh, the subject is a great book. It blows the whistle on the risks of America's dependence on China for medicine. Uh, Rosemary Gibson, the author, and we'll be right back with more of today's Intelligent Medicine podcast. Stay with us.